Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. How do you feel great on vacation? Like, really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Anyone listening, if you're looking at memes anywhere on social media, you'll see list after list of here are symptoms of menopause. If you keep reading those, you are bound to get some of them. Okay, that's what I'm going to get because that's what I'm going to go through. You know, it needs to be said, if you don't do something to negate it, right? So what happens for a woman is estrogen goes down and estrogen is a muscle stimulator. So that muscle stimulus now is not there. And if you were sitting on a three-legged stool, now you've got to have something else to fit right there. And that something is more intense exercise. Hi, I'm Pete McCall. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of the All About Fitness podcast. That voice you heard in the beginning is a guest for this episode, Ms. Deborah Atkinson. Deborah is a former professor of exercise science who focuses on helping women use exercise to navigate perimenopause and menopause. For my female audience, this is important information because it will help you understand some of the changes your body will be going through. You may not like these changes, they may not make you feel comfortable, but it is a necessary part of life, and Deborah offers a lot of advice. For how you can navigate that. And for the guys in my audience, you need to listen to this too, especially if you have a spouse or significant other who may be going through perimenopause or menopause herself. This is very important for guys because I made sure to ask this question. Deborah gives some great advice for how guys can be supportive of their spouse or any women in their life who may be going through these changes. Hey, we're all getting a little older every day. We cannot change that. But if you subscribe to the All About Fitness podcast, hit the button down below. If you go to PeteMcCallFitness.com and sign up for the mailing list, or if you buy one of my books, Ages Intensity or Smarter Workouts, I will help you learn how to use exercise to navigate the aging process. And that's exactly what we talked about on the podcast today. Because not only does Deborah teach exercise science, 
not only does Deborah coach women who may be going through these phases of life, but Deborah also hosts the Flipping 50 podcast. It's a great resource. If you're over the age of 50 and you want to understand a little bit more about what's happening in life, Deborah has a podcast for you. On this episode of All About Fitness, you'll get some important information on how to navigate some of the changes you might be facing in life with the hostess of the Flipping 50 podcast, Miss Deborah Hackinson. On All About Fitness today, we are speaking with Deborah Atkinson, the host of Flipping uh, Flipping Fifty TV. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I fumbled over that. So Flipping Fifty TV, say that five times fast. Deborah, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Pete? I'm all right. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a link down below in the show notes to your TED Talk or a TEDx Talk. What is? I, I, we were talking about this before I hit record. But what, what, what do you do? What is Flipping 50 TV and what, what information do you try to put out in the, uh, into the inner tubes, out into the world? So it is basically hormone balancing exercise prescription. So it's teaching women and the trainers who work with them the difference between traditional conventional exercise prescription and hormone balancing exercise. And it stems from the fact that I went through basically a midlife crisis and um, I highly recommend it once you're through the other end. It's a good thing. (laughs) But uh, I found out the hard way that what I had learned years ago, what I'd been teaching at the university level for years was really wrong. And, And it's a hard thing to say when you're in the fitness industry and you really believe it. But you know, 39% of all sports medicine and exercise science research features females. And when you think that females go through seven hormonal changes in their lives, now, not every woman is lucky enough or chooses to go through all of them. Some go through some of those changes more than once, like in terms of prenatal, postnatal and, and so forth. But there are a lot of hormonal fluctuations. And so if you divide 39% by seven, you get less than 10% of research if we thought it was evenly distributed, features women in any phase of life that she's in. And that means that unless we knew to ask, is this program based on women who are just Mm -hmm. like me, women's hormones, metabolism, body composition, and let's face it, her socialization are so very different. So I use 100% of that research that is out there and and it's growing slowly but steadily i think we'll see more of it in our lifetime at least before we're gone and that's what we use every day all day so we build our programs around it we talk about the education we do it's all built around that and now and i just want to make the point that you you spoke at the college not you spoke but you taught at the college level and what did you teach and where did you teach I taught in kinesiology at Iowa State University, go Cyclones. And uh, yeah, I I actually was schooled there myself. So a little inbreeding, I think they call that. But um, so I taught courses, 200 level courses, which means they're going into their entry level major courses. And then I got to see them go all the way out and supervise. One of the last things I did was supervise interns while they were, you know, getting their first jobs and their first, you know, view of this is what it's like in the real working world. So I got to see them mature all the way through. 
Okay, so I just, what I want to do is make the point that you're just not somebody coming on and saying, yay, let's talk about hormones, is that you've been in the academic world, which in my mind, I, I, always, I try to have guests on here that have the credible expertise to be able to talk about this. And so real quick, before we talk about hormones, because it's funny, I've had this conversation with a couple other researchers and professors about various biases in the research. What do you think it is? Why do you think it is that, that women's health doesn't get get the, the the review that it deserves. I mean, why do you think there's a bias from the researchers? Do you think it's a male dominated event? I mean, why, why do you think it is that, that some women's health issues are overlooked, especially in the concept of fitness and exercise? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we're not very fun to deal with. Where research comes in, we're a whole nother set of variables that have got they've got a plan for. So I think if you are, you know, first of all, you're looking at a woman who's, you know, in a reproductive age from puberty on, she's got a regular cycle. That can be an advantage if you've got a woman who does have a regular cycle. But if you talk to five women, you're going to find that some are on 28 days and some are on 24 and some are on 30. I mean, it's, there's no regular mm. normal, you know, of that. So even if researchers try to plan and predict because they know what's going to happen, it's not all that predictable. But then you take women in menopause, I mean, a woman in perimenopause or the end stage of perimenopause, early stage of postmenopause, that's dramatically different in a very short amount of time. What worked for you today or what worked six months ago is potentially not going to work today. It's not going to work again in three months because your hormones are in that great fluctuation. So for a researcher, I mean, that's that's a hard thing to calculate and structure. So we've got to give them that, but that's the exact reason we need more research. Right? Well, no, I could imagine because I, I and, and look, I, I was married for a number of years and I, my, my ex would always communicate with me when, when things were happening, when, when, it, when she would have, when she was ovulating and having that time of month and she would just say, she would say, Hey, I might be a little bit crabbier now. And I, and I hate saying that, right? Because as soon as I say that, I mean, I sound like a jerk for say, but, but she would communicate, Hey, if I'm, but, but she would say this, is, this is happening. Um, but I never realized that it was different. I knew there's a little bit of variation in it, but I didn't realize there was that much variation. Now, real quick, and for listeners, especially for my male listeners out there, for my male listeners out there, that have spouses, significant others that might be in this stage of life. I really, you might, you might glaze over a little bit, but this is very important information. So if you could, Deborah, I, this would help me understand it. I've, I've read it, I've seen the literature, but sometimes I learn a little bit better in conversation like this. Can you explain kind of what perimenopause is and, and when that might start happening, so that uh, so that somebody, if their if their spouse starts going through that, they can kind of understand. That it's not them. That it's this is a this is a chemical change in the body. Absolutely. So perimenopause can start typically. It's probably early forties where it starts. But there are potentially a lot of signs and the symptoms that a woman won't recognize. Mm. I mean, a woman in ten or twenty years, every woman will know this is going to be happening because we are starting to talk about it more. It's. I mean, you and I are talking about it right here. That wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. You know, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So perimenopause is kind of this volatile 
we know that there's a decline overall. That's the trend in hormones, the reproductive testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, they're coming down because reproductivity time is over. But it doesn't just like come in for a landing. It goes like this along the way. So that can be higher, it can be lower. And that's where for a woman in perimenopause, she's maybe skipping periods and then she'll have one and then maybe she'll have two. And, you know, it's, it's not a party over here actually, (laughs) but you know, that's kind of the unpredictability that happens in perimenopause. There's more moodiness. There's maybe more fatigue, more insomnia than has ever been true. The telltale signs for a woman is hot flashes and night sweats, but not every woman has that. That's kind of the, you know, slap you in the face, you know, you're in it. But there are 34 signs and symptoms, some of which you would never suspect are associated with perimenopause. Um, So menopause itself is like a blip on the screen. That just means you're 12 months from having had a period. So it's kind of over. We know Mm. it's done. Now, that doesn't mean that a woman can't have a breakthrough and start all over again. She's actually not there. But that's that point where... It's just that we talk to menopause broadly as inclusive of all of this and postmenopause is every moment thereafter and postmenopause is till death do us part. So hormones really dictate so much, but whether your body stores fat or whether it burns fat for the rest of your life, not just, you know, that little period after that. Well, I love. I always love having this conversation, and and regular listeners have heard me talk about hormones with with guests before, with different guests before, and and I started teaching this maybe about ten or twelve years ago, a workshop lecture called training the endocrine system because nobody walks into the gym on a Monday, Deborah, and says, yeah, today's my endocrine day. You know, I'm going to get this jacked up. I'm going to do. They don't. But in reality. Anything we do, any stress that we apply to the body, whether it's exercise or another type of stress, is changing our hormone fluctuations. So before I go into a little bit more conversations about how that affects women, I'm going to ask for a little coaching advice. Okay, again, this is for guys. I'm asking this for guys, not just for myself, but for all my male listeners. Is that what can a guy say if his, if if he suspects his wife might be experiencing perimenopause? And they haven't had that conversation yet. Is there something rather than, oh, my God, is that time of the month for you? Because that's going to really – I'm going to have to have a quick reflexes and and dock to to avoid getting smacked, right? But what could – and I mean this in all sincerity. Like what would be a a, a way, a a thoughtful way that a guy could ask his spouse a question about, hey, what are you feeling? What's happening right now? I think you just did it. That is probably the best open-ended question you could possibly say. Asking her, you know, what's going on with you right now? What's happening? And in the tone of voice, you just asked it, you know, without any um, animosity there, without any suggestiveness to it. I think that's the biggest key because I think a lot of women are frustrated themselves and they're at a point where they start not to recognize their own body, but they certainly start not to love their body anymore. So if they were once very fit, you know, and they were exercising and, you know, fitness instructors are not immune to this. I mean, we'd all love to think we are, but, you know, often it's what you used to do doesn't work anymore in perimenopause because we had one set of hormones. Now we have a different set. So when women say nothing, I 
I used to do and worked works anymore. It makes sense. It's true. You have a new set of players on the team. We got to use a new strategy when we get out on the court, right? So, and we can win again. That's the key. So they can feel better again, just not doing what they used to do when they were 20 or they were 30. So I think being really open and asking, and what can I do to support you? Well, what listeners, if you if you see this on the All About Fitness podcast YouTube channel, you'll see me nodding my head, just kind of in agreement. <laughs> but what what but no, what I like about that though, Deborah, is I really do think cause the question, the next question is, how frustrating is it for you? And, and you're you're somebody who's an academic. You've taught this. You you read this. You understand the research. But from a woman's point of view, as your body starts changing and you're not quite sure, you go a month or two between between periods between ovulation cycles. How frustrating is that to feel your body change? You know, I think the worst things for a woman are always, and this is society's image of success and where we feel good, but it's always when you lose control and you're gaining weight, you're gaining belly fat, things are shifting, you're all of a sudden looking in the mirror feeling like there's cellulite there. And, you know, a woman looks down as like, that wasn't there yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're out of control, even though you're doing all the right things. There is this degree of, you know, betrayal. Like my body's betraying me. I'm doing the right things. I'm doing all the things. I'm trying to eat healthy. I'm trying to exercise and it's not working. So I think that's where most women are. And um, so we empathize with them. For sure. Yeah, and, and that and that's why I mean I asked that question because and, and and men's bodies don't change the exact same way. But men that so there's something called andropause where yeah. theoretically men over the age of thirty-five, if they're not exercising, will start experiencing a reduction in testosterone production. If they're not doing certain things, they can experience that. And if men have excessive belly fat, I don't know if, if listeners know this, but if men have excessive belly fat, their belly fat can turn their free testosterone into a female sex hormone that helps produce breasts. So that this becomes a very important, you know, hormones become, but it becomes a very important issue for people to understand and start paying attention to that it's, it's not just you, it's those chemicals in your body. So if you could share a little bit about your experience, because that's what you, I think you do a great job of in your, in your TED Talk, is you kind of go into kind of where you were and what you realized needed to change. Or if you just want to use the example of, uh, of a female that might be going through this, of a woman who might be going through this, what would she need to change as she starts experiencing perimenopause and her body starts changing without her control? Yeah, can I can we back up though? I think absolutely you just, did, you just did an amazing job right there. And so I think every listener needs to know what you just did. So I think the difference between the way women go through menopause and the way man a man will go through andropause is, you know, I described that volatile, you know, up and down. You know, for men, it's more like just cruising into andropause. So there's no rocky road there. It's can come down. But what I love that you said right there, that needs to be said over and over and over again, because anyone listening, if you're looking at memes anywhere on social media, you'll see list after list of here are symptoms of menopause. If you keep reading those, you are bound to get some of them. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm going to get because that's what I'm going to go through. 
you know, it needs to be said, if you don't do something to negate it, right? So what happens for a woman is estrogen goes down and estrogen is a muscle stimulator. So that muscle stimulus now is not there. And if you were sitting on a three-legged stool, now you've got to have something else to fit right there. And that something is more intense exercise. And I'm talking to the guy who wrote the book, literally. So see what I did there? I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Hey, I have you on more often for that. No, but thank you. But but what is it about? So what, how so how should women change their exercise program as they start going through perimenopause? Because yeah. I think that's I've I've, heard, I've seen it and I've heard it anecdotally. But based on your research, Deborah, what's what's your input on that? The two words that we hate to hear and have to say most often, which are, it depends, right? So I love those words. Yep, it's a blueprint. So we can't we can't give them similar to the keto or the paleo or the Mediterranean or the dash diet and say, this is it. This is the one end all be all. We can't do that with exercise either. Even for women in menopause, someone asked me yesterday, what's the ideal amount of time per week that a woman should exercise or how much time per day? I said, I I don't know. I need to ask you about 10 questions to know how much you need right now. And it might be different in a couple of months from now. So it's about what's your energy level? How well are you sleeping? What are the signs and the symptoms you've got? What are you dealing with? Is it weight gain? Is it belly fat? Is it you have no energy? So we need to know if they're close to adrenal dysfunction or if they're pretty hormonally balanced. Their energy is good. It's just that things are shifting and changing. So then we can take them and do basically these things. We increase the intensity and we decrease the amount and the volume. So overall volume, volume is a tricky word. So there is research saying women over 40 need more volume. But what isn't in that research, and if we only say that, is that we need greater volume of recovery as well. So we've got to have both. Well, so, so if, I'm going to cut in here real quick, if you don't mind, because I really want to highlight something. And, and listeners hear me highlight this quite a bit because the more educated that my guests are, the more experienced my guests are, the more they will say that depends and the less definitive their answer. And the reason why I'm saying that is you reference memes. In this social media world, my fear is that people will look to gravitate to those people and say, do ABC. Well, all of our bodies are going to respond differently. All of us, say there are 100 people, all of us doing ABC, well, we're going to get probably about 100 different responses, even if we do ABC correctly. So I just want to point out that it's so important that I know it can be annoying to hear, well, that depends. But those secondary questions that you just asked about what are you doing now, what are your energy levels, what, what belly fat do you have, those are critical. So for anybody out there, if you're if you're working with a fitness professional or you're working with somebody, if you're looking for a coach, you have to those the coach has to ask you these questions and don't just listen to somebody who tells you one or two things to do because they don't know your body. It's so important to ask about that. So I just want to make that point because I think that in our in our world, we try to simplify things. You just tell me what to do. Well, okay. I mean, why that can be so challenging, right? Yeah, it was so challenging. You know, and and to your point, 
There is a there is a very famous brand by a, a woman in her early 40s. And she's got a, a ton of followers and I think as much money. But what she's touting is like long, slow cardio to burn fat in that fat burning mode. And I'm thinking until she hits perimenopause, it's still working for her. In about four years, I want her to come back to me and tell me that it's still working because she's just going to exhaust a lot of women right now who are going to follow her because they want to be her. I mean, she looks fantastic. I want to be her, but that method is not going to work. And I know it. So I think that, you know, to your point is exactly right. So the ideal, if we could say, ultimately, here's where I'd like you to be. If we've got you feeling good, we've restored before more. That's the number one tenet of flipping 50 is if you've dug yourself in a hole, you're exhausted and tired. We don't start doing more to help you lose weight. We fill that hole up first. You've got to rest. You may need to just go for a walk and do yoga. And that'll be the best thing possible for you to help you burn the fat. Relaxing and removing the stress that's blocking the fat loss in the first place. So I think that's the first place. But ultimately, what I'd like to see people do, because people want a blueprint, I know, but twice a week, strength training, full body, total body, not slit routine, and one, two, or three times a week doing short bits of high-intensity interval training. Those are the things reflected at supporting visceral belly fat loss best. And between that, live an active life. So just go for walks, get a dog, don't get a dog, borrow the neighbor's <laughs> dog. I mean this in all sincerity, but, but, but state that again because I think this is very important. Yeah. For, for listeners to hear is you're talking about like total body workouts you're talking about yeah. hit less is more but but provide just a little bit more more detail on that if you I mean if or, or restate yeah. that just to make the point yeah so with those two full body workouts and the reason I just do two is because number one two is very doable but there's also a lot of research on post-menopausal women right which is all we care about because if they're 25 year old young men, we are nothing like their hormone profile. That is not going to help us. So postmenopausal women did best when they compared one, two, or three times a week strength training because the one time a week, I think we can all guess that's just not enough. Twice a week was the sweet spot. And I'll come back to that. Three times a week, they were too tired. And the rest mm -hmm. of the time they spent couch compensating. So overall energy expenditure, which is all day, every day, right? The other 23 hours when you're not exercising counts as much or more as the exercise itself. So those that did twice a week had more energy. They were stronger. They thought, I want to clean my house. And they did it, right? They didn't just think about it. And they went golfing. And when somebody said, do you want to go and do this, this, and this? They said, yes. They were much more active people. And that's what really helps move the needle in postmenopause. So twice a week and total body. So I'm, I'm hearing a lot about split routine and I want to work a body part. And, you know, if you really need to get enough volume in each one of those workouts, you have to spend a lot of time doing all the sets that you need to get enough stimulus to change the muscle mass. And then women are putting themselves at risk for adrenal dysfunction 
by doing that because they're just exercising every single day for longer periods of time. If you miss, you really throw yourself under the bus with where do I get started? How do I start back again? Do I double up? Do I skip it twice a week? Hit it, be done with it, earn the recovery in between and reap the rewards. So you've got the energy to spend Um, with the interval training, you know, one, two, three times a week. And I'm an advocate of not doing any more than about 45 minutes a week total of interval training because we see injury rates go up. Women in midlife are more prone to injury than at any other time in their lives. We see so much just carpal tunnel, but plantar fasciitis hip bursitis, you know, all the itis, which is really chronic. And women think it's all of a sudden, but no, it's probably not. It's from years of high heels. And it may be from poor nutrition, because when we diet, we tend to skip things, leave them out and not plan and account for them with supplementation. So it's, it's life catching up with you, but also hormone change. It's all kind of coming together. So we don't want to push so much. If something is good, more of it must be better. We have to kind of leave that alone and just say, no, you should walk away feeling like I could have done more. Great. Perfect. We're in a good spot. No, I, I love that. I love that concept of, of that because I've approached exercise like that for years. I always think that a good workout should feel like you could maybe do one or two more sets because I'd rather finish a little bit early rather than a little bit late. You know, I'd rather I'd rather hit just a little bit under than go a little bit over because if you go a little bit over, you, you can't pull that back. You can always come back and do more tomorrow. But if I if you over fatigue, if you overtrain, you can't you you can't hit rewind. We don't have a rewind button on our life, unfortunately. Or also hit it a few times along the way. But that's all another conversation. But I really like that concept. And just so you know, I mean. I did. That's exactly. I don't think you've read the book, but that's exactly the prescription I have in Ageless Intensity is two or three total body strength or power workouts a week, two or three cardio, high intensity, primarily high intensity interval training workouts a week, and then two or three mobility, body weight, just low intensity workouts a week. And and there are variations in there. You don't have nine days a week, so you can't do three each week. But I wrote it in there, and I try to explain that, Deborah, and I'd love your input on this, is there are going to be some weeks where your sleep is awesome, your nutrition's on point, and maybe you can do that extra day of you're feeling awesome, and you can do that extra day of high-intensity exercise because you're rocking it. And then there are going to be other weeks where life is happening strut you you're you you it's the end of the quarter at work you have you have this dude maybe you're traveling and you're not going to be able to, to amp it up on your exercise and, and so it's important to be able to dial it back and understand that that's okay if you could i guess where i want to go with that is because you kind of alluded to stress and adrenal fatigue what happens to our body especially to a woman's body i think this is good to hear what happens to a woman's body if she's stressed at work or stressed at home And how does that affect her ability to exercise? Oh, gosh. Well, mentally, you know, it will put more stress on. I still have to do this. And there's more guilt there. There's more baggage that comes with that. You know, I'm already tired. I'm already fatigued. I've already got this headache. And I still have to get the workout. And we don't think sometimes, we don't stop and think that life sometimes is the workout. You know, and the the reason we are doing the workout is so we can be more resilient in those times. Well, let's just face it, in these times, these times we're in right now, I mean, it's pretty volatile for a lot of people. 
And, you know, I think we're going to be in that moment for a little while. So, you know, there's never been a time that's more important to be on top of that. But for for women who are already tired and exhausted, maybe from insomnia, not sleeping as well because of hormonal changes, you know, we still are dealing with the stressors of everyday life of having young kids, kids on a credit card, older adult parents, the caregiving that's going on, it's all there. And then a body fluctuating in a way that we're not all that that happy with. Um, and all of that contributes and we wanna get this off as fast as possible. And the 30 year or more conditioning that we have in our heads is exercise more and eat less, which is stress on top of stress, on top of the stress you've already got. What happens with stress is breakdown, whether it's mental or it's physical, it'll start showing up and you're, you're the one who's sick more often. You get a cold. If anybody's going to get a cold, you get a cold. You have more injuries. You're someone saying, Every time I go to start exercise, I'm I'm just getting into it and I get injured. You know, that's a compilation of all those little pieces put together. That's what happens for women when they're not listening. And and I say this for any listener who's a woman or a man who cares for her, that women are notoriously, you know, caregivers of other people. And they have ignored their own needs often for years, taking care of the family being the last person to eat or, you know, not going to the bathroom when she's got to drive the taxi and get kids where they're going. And so she's not used to listening to her own needs and answering and responding to them in a way she does to other people. So it's time she's got to do it. Yeah, no, I I think that's, it's interesting. As you're saying that I'm thinking about the different women I've known in my life, my ex-wife and some, and some close friends and yeah, that's the one thing that I see is they always, and, and two, I think I'm thinking about this about women in our industry too, because fitness instructors tend to do this a lot as well. Because I, I'm on a couple of different teams with some very high performing fitness instructors, but they always seem like I can do more, I can do more, I can do more. And I don't know if it's a Type A personality. I don't I don't know what the personality differences is, but I but I see and and I always sometimes I tell my women friends, hey, you got to think like a guy. Sometimes you just got to think like you have a penis and that's, you got to put yourself first sometimes because I don't think women, I don't think that's in the genetic code for women. Women tend to be more, Oh, that I can do this. I can handle this. Where sometimes guys like, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And they're a little bit more, I'm being very general here, but I'm just like, that's the experience I know. It's like, ah, I'm not going to do that. And so they don't do that. I just, I think that's, that's an interesting notation, but I really think it's important. What I'm going to come back to with this is, is this whole concept of stress because especially if we are over the age of 40 and 45, stress accumulates. And I love, I can't tell you, Deborah, you're maybe the fourth or fifth professional, like high-level professional that I've had this conversation with in the last couple of weeks about the role of walking, of just going out for a walk and just going out. I mean, you're in Scottsdale, so you have some wonderful hikes there. My grandparents were in Phoenix, and so I remember going hiking on Camelback Mountain. But what is it about what what's because sometimes I think and where I'm going with this is sometimes I think when it comes to exercise we've had this mindset for years about if I'm not going to smash my face into the wall if I'm not out of breath it's not worth it right I mean we, we've had that I mean you and I have probably both been guilty of that but but what role does a good walk play and why is it sometimes better to go out for a good walk as opposed to go do that hit workout or go do that hard high intensity strength training workout why is walking something that we should add more of to our to our overall workout program 
Yeah. Well, for a lot of reasons, like for that woman who is already tired, kind of pushed it a little bit too much. It's so much better in terms of reducing cortisol levels or on the other hand, not contributing more to them. Right. So it's like, which, which are we on which side of the fence, but both ways there are studies out about going for a walk and you've heard the reference to forest bathing, Mm -hmm. you know, and the value of that. And basically it's, you know, going outside for a walk versus getting on your treadmill, you know, going for a walk. There's a big difference to what happens to your cortisol levels. There's a difference between walking on city sidewalks versus walking on green. So if you live in New York City, you want to head over to the park, you know, as opposed to just walking along stores. And there's a difference in cortisol level, cortisol level coming down with each of those. The benefit, though, from walking can come that kind of hit with decreasing your cortisol level that can come at 10 minutes, can come at 20. It doesn't have to be an hour. And you don't want to get into that game that if you're not going to run for an hour, then if you're going to walk, you have to walk for two, right, to be the equivalent, because we can play that game, too. Trust me. But I will give an example. So I I um, I trained for eight Ironman distance triathlons. And I say that saying like, hi, my name is Deborah. I'm a former endurance junkie and I have to, you know, get in my own support group. But two years ago, um, I did my last one and it was just at the wrong time. It was, you know, hit menopause that year, had a bunch of stressors and exposure to mold that year. And I gained, you know, about 10 or 12 pounds. So I call Mm. that my my cortisol pack, most people want a six pack. That was my cortisol <laughs> pack. And, it, you know, it was just nobody tries to do that training for an endurance event, right? It's just like, what? Right. But that's, you know, I've taken one for the team. So if you all think it's about more exercise, I can tell you, nope, it's not. I haven't run for two years and I've lost 14 pounds. So, the reason is the decrease of the stress. So you've got to take that cortisol level away. You've got to get yourself back into even territory. And for a lot of women, that's where they're at. Now, we also have to acknowledge there's a group of women or a group of women in menopause who need intensity. They've been walking their entire lives. They need to get some intensity in their lives. So I'm not suggesting everybody needs to walk and then you're done for a period of time. You need to walk, maybe fill that back up. But ultimately we want to get you back to doing high intensity till you die. Well, and that's, but, but that's exactly, but, the, but number one, that's why I wrote the book. But number two, what I realized, Deborah, and then I'm going to come back to something, but what I realized in, in going through the research on the book is you can have somebody in, in her fifties or in his fifties and sixties, say, say a guy walks every day, maybe he does cycling a, a decent amount, but no, nothing really challenging, just goes out and does a few miles with his friends. So he's getting aerobic exercise every day. But if he's not strength training, if, if if a woman over the age of fifty is not strength training, they're not using the type two muscle fibers, and they're not they're not experiencing carbohydrate metabolism. They're not experiencing anaerobic carbohydrate metabolism. So what I realized in going through the research on the book is, even though somebody might be active most days of the week, if they're not doing anything with intensity, they're not doing carbohydrate metabolism, and they could still be at risk 
of diabetes because of the insulin and glucagon and whatnot and the insulin levels. Am, am I am I off base? Just based on your your understanding, am I off base with that, or would you would you agree with that? I would totally. I would. I was just going to say, you you go, preacher Pete. Yeah. Oh, you thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's absolutely it. So I think we've got to change the whole game. So I reference the. 40 something, you know, trainer who's a brand that everyone would recommend, but I don't want to throw somebody under the bus like that. But, you know, she's also saying that this low, slow cardio is fat burning mode is the best way to burn fat. And I think we should probably clear that up and make sure that people understand, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm sitting right now. I think you may be standing. (laughs) I'm burning fat. I'm burning fat more, a hundred percent fat more than you. More than you, but the problem is, it's happening so slow that we've all got to say how how well is that working for you? So walking slow is burning more percent fat while you're doing it. Doing interval training is burning a lower percent of fat, but the overall calories you're burning is so great that a small fraction of a big number is better. And so your overall fat burning will be better during, but also for hours afterward. And that's where the real value comes in. And I think that is still a myth because I don't know if they still make cardio machines that say this is your fat burning zone. But they the, I, I can say that Star Trek, Star Trek and, and Stairmaster, that's not on the, it's not on the cardio machines okay. that we make. I mean, we might have something, but, but to your point, the other thing too is with the interval training and what's so important about for women is interval training can promote growth hormone and growth hormone is one of the things that helps your skin look younger, right? I mean, women go, I'm, I'm pointing the direction of La Jolla here. That means nothing to you, but, but women, fly to La Jolla, they go to Beverly Hills, they go to Boca Raton to go to these anti-aging clinics and get growth hormone injections, right? I mean, we, we know that when in reality, they do three, if they do the three HIIT workouts a week, if they do 45 minutes, three 15-minute HIIT workouts a week that you're recommending... Yeah. They're going to get the. They're going to elevate the growth hormone. Now, real quick, I want to come back to cortisol and and, and the way. And we're getting ready to wrap up here. And the way I like to describe cortisol, Deborah, and I'd like you to kind of explain a little bit what cortisol does in the body. But I explained, and I'm going to use a Sex in the City reference. So I'm going all the way back to Carrie Bradshaw. Cort- that's 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 the that's the the side effect of being married, having been married in the early 2000s, is is being being uh, you know inundated with Sex in the City references back then. But I always explain that cortisol is your is your frenemy, right? As a hormone, cortisol is your frenemy because in some ways cortisol does a great thing in terms of metabolizing fat, but in other ways cortisol can work against the body. How would you describe the, the effects of cortisol and why is having too much cortisol in our body not necessarily a good thing? Because it breaks down your muscle. So and we're trying to hold on to that for dear life. So Muscle being the only metabolically active tissue that we've got for women in menopause. So when that estrogen comes down, the body says, hey, what we're going to do is increase cortisol. And and it's the body's way of saying, okay, cortisol is going to try to convert to estrogen. I mean, it does a really poor job. It can do about 10% of what you need. But that cortisol is then in your body. It's in your bloodstream. And it's breaking down muscle catabolism at a faster rate than we can gain it. So women in menopause, first of all, are more prone to negative effects of stress and the stress hormone. If they're also fasting, which is just a hot topic. We probably don't want to open up that whole can of worms. But 
I'm, you know, I'm not loving that for a lot of women in menopause. I think it's like a throwback to the 80s and mm-hmm. just dieting culture. And we're, we're missing the point that that's about a window of eating time. It's not about cutting down calories too. So we're stressing our body and, and not eating enough when we're doing that because we're not quite doing it right in most cases. That's problematic. And then while we're doing both those things, we're trying to exercise, which is a breakdown of muscle activity. So if we don't refuel with adequate overall good high quality calories and adequate protein and get adequate sleep and rest and turn off the monkey mind, it's hard to build back up. Cortisol is doing all that damage all at once from multiple sources. So that's where it's so devastating. Uh, No, I like that because I really wish I were, and that's the thing. A lot of, I think the fitness magazines do a generally a pretty good job and have over the last number of years. I think the fitness magazines have done a better job of talking about integrated strength training programs, about a more holistic approach to exercise. The the challenge I have, and I think you can appreciate this, I've, I've spoken with editors of various magazines like Shape or Self, and, and trust me, they get tired of writing the same three stories about the butt, the hips, the thighs all the time as well. But I really do wish, where I'm going with that is I really do wish they could do a better job about explaining, hey, this is what cortisol is. This is how cortisol helps. It metabolizes fat. But if you exercise too long, my understanding is for those people that exercise too long, cortisol will start catabolizing muscle and to use for energy or start catabolizing proteins and amino acids. So there's that. And again, that's where I, I started saying this maybe a month or two ago, where when it comes to exercise, we want to be baby bear. Because what's Papa Bear? Papa Bear is too much, right? Too hot, too lumpy, too whatever. What's Mama Bear? Too cold, too whatever, too hard, too soft. So what's baby bear? Is just right. Because if you do too much exercise, you elevate cortisol and you start metabolizing protein. If you do too little exercise, you're not really getting much of a benefit. So and that's where that depends answer becomes we want to be baby bear with our exercise to find out what's just right for us. And remember, my kids are a little bit younger, so I read the Goldilocks and the Three Bears quite a bit about five or six years ago. So it's a little bit more, it's a little bit fresher in my memory about the relevance of that. So as you get ready to wrap up here, what type of programs? Because I love the fact that you're doing online coaching and you and you have your Flipping Fifty program. What? Who do you try to help? Like who 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 are you able to help? What do you try to do? And how can people find out more information about about your resources? Yep. Primarily our community is really women in their early, probably mid forties through we've got a couple in their early seventies. And, you know, I mean, the exciting thing is I think the women who come in and find a community are not leaving. So we'll start to grow up. And what I primarily biggest programs are 12 week strength training programs called stronger. You might guess. Um, and it's all about 12 weeks so that I can get them in there so that they can have something come up and interrupt it and we can get them back on the bandwagon because I think short little programs don't have the option of doing that. Don't help women. How do I re-enter? How do I get back on when I fall off the bus or get run over by it? And so we've got that opportunity and it's twice a week. So it's not asking a whole lot time-wise less than 90 minutes a week you've got two high quality workouts and they're doable 
Do you do them live or do you have them recorded? How do you deliver them? Yeah, no, they're all recorded. We've got women all over the world. So it's on, on your convenience, you log in, you have access to the programs and then we're in a Facebook group supporting them with, give me your questions. And we've got a coach in there with me answering questions so we can answer those anytime. And then what are your websites and what are your socials? Where How did you put information up on so? Are you one of those who, because I know there are those fitness experts, those of us who have been doing this for a while, we're still evolving into social. Some of us have done a better job than others. But are you active on social and which channels and how can people get more information? Yep, Flipping 50 TV. So it's Flipping 5-0 TV and I'm um, a huge YouTube channel. So there are a lot of women over there. Uh, we're on Instagram. And we're on Facebook as well. So those are the biggest channels for us. And the website is no numbers. It's spelled out, flipping50.com. All right. All the information will be down below. And Deborah, real quick, if you don't mind my asking, now that you – I always joke that I'm a, I'm a recovering bench pressaholic, that, that I go to meetings on Mondays, <laughs> which is National Chest Day. But now that you're recovering, now that you're a quote-unquote recovering triathlete, what do you do? Like what, what's your go-to workout? What's the one – I got to start asking guests this more often because I love hearing this answer from people. But what workout – what's that one workout that you're like – you're pumped for when you, when you have it and when you look down and you're like, all right, today I get to do this? Strength training, actually. Yeah, it's totally, it's the strength training days that I look forward to is those are the ones I feel good doing, you know, and one woman in our community said it better than I can that, you know, she started the strength training program to lose weight. And she said, I found myself. It's about the inner strength. No, I love, I love hearing that. Now, do you have any favorite lifts? I mean, I'm always interested. I'm kind of curious that <laughs> how that. But I, but but I mean by that is because for so long, so many women of our generation, and, and I know you might be one or two years older than me, but for so long, so many women of our generation stayed away from weight training. We're now in the gym. I just came from the gym a little while ago, and there are women in their 20s now. When I go to the gym, a lot of times. Yeah. The barbell area is probably 40, 50% women in their early 20s, where women, it's really the women our age that could really benefit from that. But what are your couple go on the, as we as we finish up here, what are a couple of your go to strength exercises? Well, if I'm going to the gym, so I have to clarify, gym okay. or home, if I'm going to the gym, I like a kneeling lap pull down. Okay. So it's like always, always going to be a back exercise, always going to be a pull exercise for me. So postural muscles for sure. And then Leg day. So I like a hip sled. Okay. So get to get the strong. I have to say, I, I, I was just talking about this with somebody else earlier, hip thrust. I've, I've become a big fan of the hip thrust of, of yeah. cause I used to, and again, I used to think this was nothing. And I think it's a great thing to, to wrap up on because I used to think the hip thrust was pure, just fluff for Instagram booty models in all honesty, but then reading into it and then experiencing, I have pretty bad arthritis in one of my knees. What the hip thrust allows you to do is use your glutes. And when you're at the top of extension, for listeners who can't see my hand, when your hips are extended at the top of, of, of a hip thrust, your glutes are, are fully contracted with the weight pushing down against the glutes. So it's actually you get much more activation of the glutes than a squat or a deadlift. And, and Brett Contreras, who developed that, did the EMG studies to show that the actual glutes get more activation doing the, the hip thrust of the barbell and the glutes than doing a squat or a deadlift. And so for those of us that might have a bad back or bad knee, the hip thrust becomes a great way to work on glute strength, hip strength, 
without compressing the spine or without without harming the knee. So I've, become, I've, I've turned the corner on it. I used to kind of shake my head and go, oh, whatever. But now I really appreciate the fact that it can have some serious benefits for those of us. When you say leg press, I just want to kind of like that. That's a kind of I've been kind of become an advocate of the, of the hip thrust lately. Okay, so I'm on it tomorrow. I'll yeah, try give, it. Yeah, give it a go. Let me know what you think. So, hey, Deborah Atkinson, uh, flipping feet. Fit, uh, again, I'm going to mess it up again. This whole conversation, I haven't messed it up. Deborah Atkinson, host of Flipping 50 TV. You also have a podcast, correct? And what's your podcast? Flipping 50. Flipping 50. There you go. Well, I got 11 more months before I can be a guest on your podcast because uh, technically I'm not over 50 yet. But hey, what's that? We might let you in. Or I, I got the gray hair. I got the gray hair. But, uh, <laughs> but hey, thank you so much highlights. for your time today. You call those highlights. High, or exactly. I guess some people, I saw there was a trend about the last year that, that people are getting gray highlights. So I'm kind of going, wait, wait, you're paying for that? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you. That was a fun Hey, as always, I mean, look, selfishly, I enjoy these conversations because I learn something with every conversation. And if you want to learn a little bit more, you can pick up a copy of Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple, or Ageless Intensity, High Intensity Workouts to Slow the Aging Process. I wrote both those books so you can learn how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. And that's what Deborah does with her coaching. Deborah does online coaching. She has online programs, either individual or group. And she hosts her Flipping 50 podcast so we can learn how to navigate life. Guys, we go through changes too. Men, we can lose testosterone as we get older. Strength training can help you reduce that testosterone loss. Women, your body will be going through changes as your body experiences menopause. But as you heard Deborah talk about, exercise can help you navigate that process. Hey, this is an important conversation. And to be honest, I, I've, I don't know Deborah that well. We met recently. We were both members of the same panel, and we both speak at some of the same conferences. But I really am a big fan of what she's doing. I'm a big, I've become a big fan of her just in a few conversations we've had. And if you're really looking for some resources, especially my female listeners, I mean, come on, let's be honest. I try to cover the bases. I try to cover grounds of all information. I mean, that's, that's why I wanted to have Ms. Atkinson on. But the fact is, I probably accidentally skewed mail with, with information because that's just what, what I know. And, and I try to be, I try to cover everything, but hey, them's the breaks. Even though I try to cover all areas of interest in the podcast, hey, I'm a guy. And so sometimes my information may skew a little bit towards males. But I really, for my female listeners, I value your listening. I value your time. And that's why from time to time, I will have experts on that speak directly to your needs. And that's exactly what I wanted to do with this episode. But guys, hey, come on. That was some great information that we can use for our spouses and significant others that might be going through this stage of life. It's important to to know how to be supportive because women, they, they can't control what their body is doing. They can't change how their body is changing. So all we can do is be supportive and lend a helpful ear. Hopefully you got some great information on this episode. As always, it's a pleasure to bring these to you. If you want more information, go to PeteMcCallFitness.com. Sign up for my mailing list. I send out one or two emails a month, helping learn how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. You have my YouTube channel, All About Fitness Podcast on YouTube. My Instagram feed, I try to put up a lot of inf- information on Instagram. That's All About Fitness Podcast on Instagram. 
You can always reach out to me, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com. And as always, thanks for stopping by. And I do look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.